0: Listening to Speech Bubble, the podcast that goes one-on-one with Toronto's comic book luminaries, with your host Aaron Broverman. Hello, fanboys and fangirls! Welcome to another episode of Speech Bubble. I'm your host, Aaron Broverman, and you're joining us on a. Very special episode, because we're, we're turning a corner here at the Never Sleeps Network. Uh, if you follow us on Facebook, at our Facebook page uh, for Speech Bubble, and I hope you do, go to facebook.com slash speech bubble if you don't, uh, you'll know that we've had a number of announcements recently the first of those is that we now have increased distribution along with itunes we are now available on stitcher radio and google play music so check us out there and please subscribe and leave reviews and uh, give us some love because the more ways you can listen the better it is for us because then we can pay for this podcast and hopefully get sponsors. Uh, our other announcement is that is directly related to the show that you're listening to now. Usually, we are interviewing comic book luminaries here on this podcast, people that are in the comic book business in Toronto. But we're trying a new series called Comics on Comics. Where we interview comedians who love comic books and uh, see what they're doing, and sort of do a little bit of cross promotion in terms of their comedy and our love of comic books. So, with me today we have Ben Miner. Ben. Yeah, it's me. Hey, Ben is the host of Canada Laughs on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. He also placed in the top sixteen of of MasterChef Canada. He's here. He's a huge comedian here in Canada and uh, you should know his name if you follow the local co- comedy scene. So welcome Ben. Thanks buddy. It's uh, nice to have you in. I'm, I look forward to crossing over learning a little bit about comedy and uh, you can tell me a little bit about how comics have come into your life. Yeah I've just always
1: read them. Like I don't remember not reading them or not having them. My first birthday cake I can I can remember was a Batman cake. Uh, I just don't remember not reading them and not thinking Batman and Superman were pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. So, like, where did you grow up originally? From Ottawa. Oh, cool, cool. They have a they have a silver snail there too, or they used to. They had one. and yeah. it closed down this yeah. past year, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, but it was it wasn't related to the Toronto. I don't know. When, I would assume it was, given that it was the same name. Yeah, it was the same name, but I feel like they were like separate shops, like separate management. That'd be and a that, bit sort of huh? It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I never really understood because... When I grew up in Vancouver, uh, we used to have like a little newsletter that would come in our comic book bag mm-hmm. called The Comic Shopper, and they had a column that was written by the manager of the Silver Snail in Ottawa. Oh, nice. Yeah. Did you go there to get oh, your yeah, comics? yeah, I used to go
1: all the time, but I would also go to like convenience stores because that was back in the day when they had really good magazine racks, and you'd peel the, uh, the sticker off the front. They put the 99 cent price tag or whatever, a little sticker on it. If you'd peel that off. i got good at that. And, yeah, I just always – I don't remember not reading them. They're just always a big part of my life. My friends would make fun of me for it when I was a kid. They're all athletic and oh, and they Oh, f- they made stuff. fun of you? Not make fun of me, but, like, you know, teasing me about it. Because I was a kid at, like, the Marvel cards, and they're trading hockey cards. I did that, too. But I remember one of my buddies like, "Yeah, what's that? A Wolverine rookie card?" I'm like, "No, man, it's just cool. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking awesome. Well, because there, you know. there was all this like good like painted art on the cards. Yeah, and like right. some of them you could assemble them like the other side formed a bigger image and whatever. Man, it was just something cool to own like to, to collect. when you're a kid. Yeah, I think I had some of them too. I have binders of them back at my mom's place. For so, sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely. So, what was the first comic that
0: you collected? I'm gonna say it's probably Batman yeah everybody I like Batman too and uh, like I feel like Batman reflects our society more like especially when you get older you get a little more cynical Mm -hmm. and Batman is like more cynical and like when you're like a rebellious teenager you're sort of more attracted to like the darkness and see that's the
1: funny thing though because i feel like my mom bought me batman comic books because she knew batman and oh that's good for kids but i grew up in the 80s and batman got pretty dark in the 80s yeah did you
0: did you read um uh, dark knight returns uh i didn't read
1: that one when i was a kid but i remember reading like the killing joke and all that stuff and Just feeling like I was getting away with something. Like, my mom doesn't know how cool this is. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then, uh, yeah, I remember I was an accident prone kid. I got hit by a car when I was a kid. And, uh, I remember specifically that was during the Armor Wars, uh, storyline in Iron Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a gift shop. And the, the hospital in Ottawa, they had, it seemed like all they had were Iron Man comic books at the time. It was funny, so I read that entire arc when I was laid up in the hospital as a kid. And that's I just a... remember people coming up to the room with the same issue of Iron Man, Armor, armor Wars. So I was like, I ah, see, so you went to the gift shop downstairs, you know, the comic books there. Yeah, okay, that's cool.
0: So what were the circumstances of you getting hit by a car? I was walking home from school,
1: and I just got smoked. How old were you? I was nine years old.
0: Wow. Were you in the crosswalk? or yeah, like... I don't know. He was at fault. It was like, yeah, all good. I bought a lot of comic books. Yeah. <laughs> wow, crazy. Yeah. Like, how how bad
1: were your injuries? Pretty bad. My uh, femur broke into, like, a V right at the tip of my knee, and I broke my ankle, too. Oh, man. So I was laid up for a little while, but whatever. I'm here. I'm good.
0: And they give you lots of ice cream when you're a kid? I like got basketball. everything. Yeah, yeah, I got everything.
1: It was all comic books and ice cream. And I also, that was when I ate my first poutine. I remember that.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah. So, like, the thing, too, is, like, I feel like whenever you talk about comics, especially if you have a comic book podcast, you have to, like, differentiate. Like, you have to say it's comic books. You can't mm-hmm. just say comics because people think it's comedy yeah. just because comedy is so prevalent mm-hmm. for podcasting and that sort of thing. Do any of your like love of comics and geekery ever make it into your into the bits that you do for oh, yeah. comedy? and no, stuff? No, it's a goal of mine to get geekier on stage. And to me, like I don't know, I don't want to be
1: something for everyone. I want to be everything with someone. I want people to find me and just think like, that's my that's my dude. That's like someone I could hang out with. And uh, yeah, my, I want to do dorkier stuff. Like I got. Shit, my act about how I couldn't be Batman because I just used it to pick up chicks, right? Right. I like just read right away, oh, cool, cool. You had a good day. I'm Batman, right? Like, just totally just dropping it. And Green, I've got bits about Green Lantern. I got Superman bits. Like, I want to do way dorkier shit. That's just about because I don't know. I realize when it's still different than talking about your family, right? Because nobody knows your family. And if you do the job of explaining who they are and why what they're doing is funny, and you could do with that with whatever you like and whatever you love. And it's just still sharing something that's a part of you.
0: Is that generally like your formula? Like when you delve deeper into comedy, like people are always saying like it's better to get more personal and more like, Eh. things about who you are and like put your like stamp on things i don't think this is right or wrong i think
1: that there's a lot of people who do every kind of comedy exceptionally well right like you look at a guy like Stuart francis where his comedy isn't personal at all it's, it's a series of one-liners right and it's brilliant it's fun it's pure genius man you listen to it and you're like oh god i'm so lame Ugh, i just swear god he's so good and then uh you watch uh you know like I don't know, like a Norm MacDonald, and he's got all these made up personal stories, or you watch like uh, Chris Rock, or uh, I'm trying to think of more personal people that are just, you know, gut wrenching type, like a Mark Marin. Mark Maron, You watch yeah. Mark Marin, you're like, oh my God, like this guy's just bearing his soul up there right now. Uh, but everyone I named is really good at what they do. Like Amy Schumer is a classic joke slinger. Right. Right. It just, it's, it's set up punchline boom it's like she's just a really good joke writer so right. i don't think
0: there's any right or wrong and or like stephen wright or like the late mitch headberg yeah like they were
1: all joke people exactly yeah but then you got a guy like jim jeffries is ripping it up and he's very conscious and but he also delves into geek shit and he's got jokes about his stuff that he likes too and right i think that's like maybe kind of the van i'd like to go a little bit but i don't know for me it's about personal stuff i like to make fun of people if i can't <laughs> make fun of myself then i got no right to make fun of people you
0: know right right totally so now that like geek culture is pop culture and like you said that when you were a kid you used to get made fun of for this sort of thing yeah when you tell people that you're interested in comics now do you get like a different do you get like a different reaction yeah now people try to be cool with it
1: especially in big cities like toronto like everybody like because being a nerd is cool now right So the moment you kind of start talking about comic books, you always see the people come out the woodwork. They're like, oh, right on, right on. Yeah, yeah, Frank Miller. Can you name anything else he did other than Dark Knight? Yeah, 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 Frank Miller, Frank Miller. Like, oh, fuck, I don't want to go, no. You're just a tryhard. Go find something else. I bet you're really into like big band music and the big bad voodoo daddies. The '90s, you know, the '90s, a swing fucking phase or whatever. The mighty mighty Boston. Yeah, yeah. Like those are the same people that are pretend comic book fans now. They had a bunch of Zoot suits in the '90s and are snapping their fingers in rhythmic fashion instead of dancing. Yeah. Watching swingers, exactly. which is a great
0: movie. <clears throat> great movie. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. So, I mean, how did you? get into comedy initially i was yeah i was a kid
1: okay i was like 15 years old and i was a pain in the ass in class but i wasn't mean and my teacher's like uh i don't want to give you detention anymore because you're not a bad kid you're just inappropriate so then she gave me the ultimatum of detention for the rest of the term or joining the improv team So,
0: everyone has this sort of cliche that, like... It's my origin story. We're on a comic book podcast, man. Right, right. Exactly. But (laughs) but people have to know, like, a little bit about you, too. Yeah, from parts unknown. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Everyone says, like, sometimes the people that develop into comedians were, like, the class clown. Mm -hmm. Is that a thing? Like, would you call yourself the class clown? Oh,
1: I definitely was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was always just saying shit. I was never mean about it, but it was definitely inappropriate. Cool. So, like like fart noises not fart noises but just like was clever I would say like funny things but I just wouldn't make fun of people and it wasn't at anyone's expense so nice I think my teacher at the time was like this is not a bad kid this isn't a bad dude he's just kinda gotta get it
0: out of his system and whatever I never did so so then so then what did your teacher like turn you on to like the, your first club or like no she forced me to join the improv team w- at
1: school wow. but she wound up coming to my first ever show that's awesome yeah when I was eighteen cool and you like not a lot of schools have improv teams French kid man
0: we uh, always had improv yeah we always had improv and that type of shit and oh, that's awesome yeah 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 because like when I was in university like it wasn't until university that there was an improv place that you could that you could really go we had like an actual improv league in
1: ottawa and they had it was competitive uh they made a fake miniature hockey rink and then you, like you would go into the mini hockey rink and, and you've never seen this it was on cable access so oh yeah
0: yeah i've seen sort of that setup yeah. because because i i grew up in vancouver so like uh granville yeah. island uh, which is like the oh yeah it's sort of like theater the sports. distiller they had like the theater sports league right yeah. so their staging had the hawk ho- like the hockey rink and all the like judges were like referees yeah like exactly they had the referee yeah, yeah they had the zebra and shirts
1: and so you had that too yeah but i wonder if it maybe started out there because this is like early to mid 90s right and they'd been doing it since like the 80s or is that 70s started? or something the, yeah with yeah. the rink
0: though I don't know with the rink. I'm but saying I, the, but rink, I,
1: the rink. The itself. I wonder if that's like an Ottawa thing, yeah, like maybe, a French yeah. Canadian. Because it's so hokey, it's got to be a French Canadian thing,
0: right? And then after every round, you had like the the buzzer, like yeah. period, and like, and then every time somebody. I guess violated the rules of the improv game. Was there like a, there was like there's a like fake panel card? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I totally remember
1: watching that in BC too. It's so bad. That there's video of that somewhere out there that I hope never surfaces. It's
0: crazy that it's like that it's it became like a cross Canada thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like
1: it'd be even funnier if it started if its roots were like French Canadian improv. Right.
0: And that's what I noticed about comedy. Like there's a distinctly Canadian sense of humor. Is there? It seems like the Canadian comedy, like, you know, sort of who the Canadian comics are like stereotyp- stereotypically, mm-hmm. right? Like the Brent Butts and the John Doors and the Jerry D's and like the Ron Jameses. Yeah. And it seems like it's a particularly Canadian style. Well, those but those guys are all really different from each other. Right? They, they are. They are super different. But like. I, I don't know what the difference is between, like, the American comics and the Canadian comics, but I feel like the Canadian comics don't get as much res- don't get as much respect or they don't get as much play. Well, we don't because we don't. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. That's what it
1: is. I mean, there's not a lot of people in this country. Yeah. And it takes a lot for a comic to break here. It's just weird. Gotta go down to the States, gotta to go to the UK. There's a comic named Catherine Ryan, who's the biggest deal in the UK right now. Right. Canadian. Canadian. Just slugged it out here forever. And uh, had to go to the UK to become Amy Schumer. Right. That's how big she is. She sells out 5,000 seat venues. Right. She's on 40-foot posters, right? I don't know that there's necessarily a Canadian style, but I do agree that we're super marginalized. I mean, every other art is funded in Canada except for
0: comedy. And it seems like the places that, like, fund the arts or the places that are behind, like, artistic things like mm. cbc is doing a big push for comedy right now yep. like they always want it to be like overtly or distinctly canadian somehow like they yeah, always, I don't know if there was an... want, like references to hockey or like some sort of canadian I content don't... situation
1: yeah i don't know where that mandate comes from i don't know if it comes from the funding people or the network people or what but you know orphan black is a Canadian show. It's co-produced with, uh, I believe the UK, and a lot of it's set in Toronto. So that show just cleaned up at the Emmys. No reason why we can't do more of that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because because Flashpoint was like that. That was like one of the first shows yeah. that was like it was like set in Toronto. But it wasn't like overtly stated necessarily yeah. that it was that it was Toronto. Same with it doesn't the need to be a big thing. Mind. I feel
1: like Canadians are such nerds about being Canadians. Like, I don't even think it's the people; it's the the funding people in charge. Where they don't understand. It's like parents at a birthday party that are like screening every gift before their kid gets it. Like, hold on. You don't even know if the kids know he doesn't like monopoly. How do you know? Cause I don't like monopoly. What? Uh, right. Get a life. Maybe the kid loves monopoly. Get out of here. Like, right, right. I just feel there's just too much hesitation. Just let people do shit. Right. Like there's great people out there. They're like Mark little who was on Alex's podcast. Uh, when I was, you know, earlier today, that guy is going to make someone a lot of money and he's going to be a huge deal. He's already a big deal. And it's like I hope that that all happens in Canada that they can sell it to, to the world. There's no reason
0: why we can't sell. To do the you world. think? Do you think it's kind of unfortunate like that? Canadians like they get really if the if they get really big they eventually go to the states and everyone complains about like the talent like talent draining mm-hmm. that happens right like if if you're gonna get big and there's a rich tradition of Canadian comedy you know going back to like SCTV and those sorts yeah. of things kids in the hall but they all leave eventually uh, to an extent I mean a lot of them
1: do certainly I mean the majority do but then there's always people like Eugene Levy who stick around and they do their work down south raise their family up here. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of musicians that have done like Drake is building a house in Toronto right now. Right. Um, I just think that given where technology is at and given the fact that the digital world is really broken down borders in terms of accessibility for content, I don't think it's going to be a thing as much going
0: forward. I really don't. People are not, like it's not going to be as much like, because yeah, I mean with, with shows like orphan black being successful, people are going to learn that you don't have to be overly canadian in order to in order to be successful. Yeah, right?
1: and people are also people are always going to move because they crave, you know, different challenges and just different scenes just to to push themselves, but I think the days of people moving because there's an no opportunity, I think those are going to be done sooner than later. Right. Just because there's a generation of producers uh, producers out there. Just look at Alex. Look at everything he's building right here. There's a lot of those types of people out there that are, you know, not inclined to move to the United States and they're going to build something up from the ground floor. Is that what your plan is, too? Well, I mean, I do run a Canadian comedy channel. Right, right, right. So that's, you know, I do that. Right. <laughs> that's but pretty then, cool. But
0: it's not not like a stepping stone in terms of, like, once I'm done here, I'm planning to, like, go No, uh, I just want to America. do what I want to do.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't want to have to do anything because I'm forced to. I don't right. want to have to move to new york because there's nothing left here for me to do i wouldn't be opposed to moving to new york but it would be because there's a really good opportunity right right it's not like oh well, i guess i tapped out here like that's that's bullshit
0: yeah, yeah totally that's not cool cool so after improv what what ended up happening to you? I worked Where did on, you go next? I worked on Tom Green's show for a little
1: bit, and then I started doing stand-up at the same time, and yeah, then I went to college. That was
0: his, his original, like, cable access show that Comedy he did? Comedy Network. Oh, Comedy Network. Yeah. Cool. So what was that like, working on Tom Green's show? It was great. Show? I was a kid. I was, like, 16, 17 years old working on Tom's show. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Yeah.
1: And he just, uh, headlined a show I did at JFL 42 this past week. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. JFL
0: 42 just happened. I went to see, uh, Trevor Noah at at JFL 42. So that was, that was cool. Yeah, JFL 42 is like a relatively new thing though It's about five years old now Yeah, yeah, but and it was Is it produced by the same people that do Just for Laughs, oh, yeah. right? And the idea is to sort of bring A Just for Laughs vibe To Toronto, I guess Yeah, it's
1: doing a different kind of fest here right? So it seems to be doing well Right, I think so I bring in huge names. I met Roseanne. I get out of here. That's awesome. How was that? The best. (laughs) She was so cool. Was she like shooting the shit with you and stuff? Yeah, yeah. She did my radio show and then I went to see her show on Friday and went backstage and
0: yeah, she was just the coolest. That's awesome. Yeah. Like the great thing about podcasting is you get to meet like all these different people Mm -hmm. and you have an excuse to talk to them. It's part of the reason that I'm a journalist. Yeah. Because if, if you have curiosity and you have questions of people and and different issues and that sort of thing, you have an excuse to actually find the answer. Yeah. And you're not some creepy weirdo just being like, uh, right. Exactly. Like, because if you're just like a random person, no one gives you like the special access that you need to ask people in charge directly about about certain things. Right. Right. so that's interesting. I mean, I just did a I just did an article about uh, Doug Stanhope's like celebrity death pool that's that cool. he does. Yeah. So and I got to, and I got to talk to him a bit. So that was cool. But I mean, so once you're like how, how does like the comedy system uh, work in Canada? Like do, is it the same as in the States where like you you go to clubs and you start working clubs? Like how do you get into doing stand-up comedy? Uh, are you familiar with the Kumite? No. Jean Claude Van Damme,
1: Bloodsport. Oh, oh, yeah,
0: yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah.
1: So, two comics enter, one leaves. No, that's not what happens.
0: That's
1: <laughs> just it's what it is, man. You grind it out. There's, it's not always fair. It's not always, you know, anything. It it's just what it is. It's an unfair business that you got to work really hard at. And if you do put the work in and you're not a dick about it and you can, like, just go up and keep crushing, and shit will happen, but it's uh, not the same timeline for everyone. Some people will turn shit over and make a career out of this a like couple of years. Some people take 5, 10 years. Some people take longer. Some people take less. But you just got to be in it because you want to be in it. Like, I do stand-up so that I don't fucking snap in public at a bus stop or something, you know? Right. Gives me that outlet to just, like, let it loose and say what I want to say.
0: So when you were a kid... Yeah, like in order for them to like let you in on their roster, did you just have to keep showing up over and over and over again? Yeah, it was annoying. I was 18
1: years old in Ottawa, and I just kept going. I was always there. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't give me a weekend spot until two and a half or three years in. They just they weren't going to get rid of me. I right. just kept going and going and going and going. I lived at that club. Everyone. But the
0: first couple of times they're like they're like go home. Well, no, it's not how it works. I mean, you okay. call
1: in, you get a spot on a Wednesday. You call in on the first like whatever day of the month. And then everybody calls in, and for the first while, you get one spot on once a month at the old Ottawa Yuck Yucks. And then once he didn't suck, they give you two spots a month. But I was coming up in that generation where like John Doerr and I started at the same time, right? So like Doerr's there, and John Steinberg, and Jen Grant, and Christina Walkinshaw, and all these really great comics. So when you got that Thursday or Friday spot you got it over a lot of people and you earned it. Not to say that people in other cities didn't earn it. I just know that they weren't going up against, you know, Steve Dillon, John Steinberg, John Dorgen, Grant, Christina Walkinshaw. Like we were all each other's competition, but we were buddies at the same time. So right. it didn't really feel that way.
0: Right. Everybody has like a class that they yeah. that they move up with mm-hmm. sort of thing, just like in the U.S. Do you start like on an open mic Yeah, or- yeah? Wednesday nights, open mic,
1: Ottawa. Oh, cool, cool. Oh and there was only the one club back then, ninety eight. There's only the Ottawa Yuck Yucks and
0: that was it? And Yuck Yucks is like Canada's comedy like franchise of clubs, yep. right? So they're all run by like Mark Breslin, right? Yeah, Mark's the the founder of Yuck Yucks, and he's got uh, a
1: bunch of partners across the country. I think so, They're at like sixteen or seventeen locations. So now. once
0: you're in, once you're in on one Yuck Yucks, are you part of a circuit of Yuck Yucks across the across the country?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you get rostered, and then you do. It's like a progression, <clears throat> right? So you'll start working locally and doing whatever, and then uh, they'll send you out on the road. You'll start doing, like, road gigs and whatever, little one-nighters that are in and around town. Then if you really want it, you could push to do a tour. And I remember doing, like, three- to six-week tours in my early 20s, just going out west, going out east, and just grinding it out.
0: W- were those, like, was the travels and being on the road, was that sort of wild? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> do, you have, do you have any road stories that you can tell? Oh, yeah, there's crazy road
1: stories. I remember Red Deer once. I thought I was going to get my ass kicked by all these dudes in the crowd because one thing you learn is when you're like a little dude – in uh, small towns. This is why I always love Wolverine and why hey Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Because Wolverine's supposed to be a small, little dude. Right, yeah, exactly. And he's like a Wolverine. Wolverines <laughs> could kill fucking grizzly bears. That's the genesis of the character. You realize when you're a little dude that big dudes don't really take well to you making fun of them in public. But right. sometimes you got to make fun because they're fucking talking throughout your show.
0: Right, you got to deal with the hecklers. Yeah, cars. and I'm
1: in uh, Red Deer and this guy is just chirping and I just keep smacking him down. And then eventually he's like... Uh, what did he say? He goes, see, uh, see if you're still that funny. And uh, we're talking outside the show there, bud. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> gotta go harder or else <laughs> it's going to be fucking over for me. So then I stopped what I was saying. I'm like, what was that? He repeated. I'm like, okay, just in case anybody didn't hear I go, this guy pretty much has challenged me to a fight for after the show. And crowd goes quiet. I'm like, that's a, that's a good plan in his head. Because in his head, he comes away with that with a good story, right? Because the little comic was slippy. Made fun of him, embarrassed him, but then he taught the little comic a lesson out in the parking lot. Nice little story to have with his friends over beers. But one thing Fuckface here hasn't thought about is what happens when the little comic just beats the shit out of you in front of your wife and buddies. Wow. Have you thought of that, dickhead? I've been on the road for a month. How many beatings does it look like I've taken? You think you're the first dickhead I've chirped? I got eight minutes left. And I pointed at the door. And meanwhile, my knees are shocking. I'm like, they're just shaking. I never fought my life, right? And uh every joke it was like I think I just seen Bill Burr doing that Philly set for the virus. I'm like, few more minutes, bud, that door over there. And then by the time I got off stage, his wife had walked him out before I was done and nothing happened. I was like, Oh god, thank God my heart was just beating a mile a minute. That's awesome. Yeah, I totally talked my way out of a fight. You were you were like your own superhero. <laughs> yeah, it was just it was a like, Just using logic, right? Right. Dude, it's going to be a lot worse for you if you lose this fight. Even if I make it
0: good. If I just like pop you a few times, you're done. So as a comic and a comic book fan. Yeah. Are you like a fan of sort of like the more lippy, uh, like the smart, intellectual, uh, talking superheroes like Deadpool or like those sorts of places? I honestly don't like books that
1: are too wordy. I like a good balance. I hate a word bubble that's, like, half the length of the page. Right. I'm just like, all right, come on, man. Let's just, like, move it along. I just, I want to look at the image and read it and put it together. and That's why we got into comics in the first place. Cause, yeah. Because like, you don't want
0: to read a book. Yeah.
1: Necessarily. Right? Where, like, I don't mind dialogue, but I find some writers are so heavy-handed, and I don't necessarily like stuff that's trying to be funny. Like, Deadpool's cool, and I like uh, Deadpool, but I don't know that I've really bought any Deadpool I used to love Spider-Man when I was a kid because right. he was really funny what he'd say. Uh, I like Garth Ennis right now. He's probably my favorite. Yeah. Did you read Preacher? You obviously, of course, yeah. 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 Who says it like Garth, Ren- Garth Ennis doesn't read Preacher? It's just, it's wicked.
0: Right now I'm rereading The Boys, Yeah, which The is Boys, a great series. which I think is going to be a show. I think it, The bo- Leslie be. Jones shouted it out on, on Twitter recently, apparently. I, uh,
1: I was gigging with Jim Jeffries a couple years ago and I was telling him that he should play Butcher. Like, Jim Jeffries' butcher and the boys would be fucking awesome. So who would be Wee Huey, you think? Wee Hughie? Well, they would have to do it based on the the guy they base the character on, right? Right, right. What's his name from uh, Dawn of the Dead? It's Don- Sean-
0: Simon Simon Pegg.
1: Yeah, Simon Pegg, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that who they based it I on? I think yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, literally. Without hair. Yeah. Because yeah. he was on another show before that in England. And, uh, fuck, I forget who it is. But, yeah, it's, like, literally based on a funny actor. Right,
0: right. Yeah, I think it's Simon Pegg, for sure. I believe it's Simon Pegg, yeah. yeah.
1: for sure. So, yeah, so Simon Pegg and Jim Jeffries
0: as the two leads in The Boys. Oh, man, that'd be good. And if you guys have never read The Boys, The Boys is one of the few comics in, like, recent history that got banned by DC Comics because it was too racy i think they i didn't even know that you remember remember? okay so they went to dynamite that's why they went to dynamite because dc comics was like that's (laughs) too much for us we can't we can't publish it anymore because there's a there's one particular scene in the fifth issue where uh one of the superheroes that the cia agency the boys are trying to capture a gerbil Crawls out of his yeah, ass, yeah. right? And and that scene, Blimey Stone. yeah, exactly. And that scene, like, had Dan Didio and the people going, like, "Oh my god, like, we can't, we can't publish you." I, I love it.
1: it. I love that. I didn't even know <laughs> that. Not to mention, like. <laughs> And the whole concept of the the boys is ripping the superhero genre apart. Right, right. right. I mean the main character, Homelander, is an analogue for Superman and, and Queen Maeve and Dark Noir or Batman and uh Wonder Woman respectively. Then they've got like the Godolkin, who's the X Men analogue and they've got everything there. The only the only one they don't really make fun of is Spider Man. Right,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Every
1: other character is depicted except for Spider-Man. And they
0: did, like, they did, like, a series within the boys called, I think it was called, like, Gasm. Mm-hmm. And it was making fun of, like, the crises, like, yeah. those big crossovers that used to be big events, but now they happen, like, every year. All the time. Right? So now it's, like, so stupid mm-hmm. because it's stupid because you're reading your regular book, and this, this crisis goes into your regular book. Like you're, yeah. you're reading along. It's like a regular storyline. And then all of a sudden you got to pick up an issue that ties into some other thing that has nothing to do with what you were reading before and prior and mm-hmm. stuff. Are there other things that like annoy you about, about what they're doing in comics now? Well, I just, I really hate tall,
1: good looking Wolverine. I hate right. it so much. I hate it. It's like, <clears throat> come on, man, that's our guy. That's my guy right there. Short, hairy dude. He's badass. Like, you don't need to
0: pretty that character up. It doesn't make sense calling him Wolverine. Like, And here's the thing. I, I Like, I, I get it from, like, a production. Like, mm. we're going to... This is going to be, like, one of the first, like, superhero movies that we do. So we need someone to like lead it in a sort of matinee idol kind of way. Yeah. And regardless of how you feel about the character, Hugh Jackman did a lot for that character, you know, for mainstream for mainstream Fought audiences. That. No right? way. No way. But, yeah. They could have done better. Get a short guy. But the good news is, for the people that like the classic Wolverine, is it's coming to an end, like like Hugh Jackman is doing, like the last. But Wolverine Hugh Jackman's movie. gonna do something to fuck
1: the character. I know he is. He's gonna do something. Like I heard rumors that he's trying to, he's pushing to get X twenty three to be the new Wolverine cinematically. Right. X twenty three was a shit character. X twenty three was garbage. So bad. Yeah. Just such a bad character. That's just so he can always be cool Wolverine. No, get a short guy. Get, yeah. Get me a trainer and a hairpiece, and I'll do it, man. Right. What's your issue with X twenty three? Well, she's just garbage. She wasn't good. She was just the most generic, generic clone. Like there's nothing to the character.
0: Right. There's no backstory. There was just like, check it out, girl Wolverine. And you know what I, you know what I think it is? I don't think it's really the character. I think it's the fact that like the character was created for the sole purpose of being like a nod towards diversity. Right. Maybe I like, think well, it's like, a shitty character like when you're only when you're only creating characters simply to make comic books more diverse on a on a wider level and there's no like story reason or like real character motivation for doing that. Mm-hmm. It's just tokenism. Well, I love the Miles Morales Spider-Man. Like, right? The, I love how Not Marvel work. is
1: handled their different versions of characters because I get that there's like old nerds that are closet racist and don't want to admit it so instead of fucking with regular continuity they make another universe so they can be like no 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 Peter Parker still exists but there's another one here and then there's like female Thor I think that's in the the other one too is there there's female Thor mainstream Mm, female Thor is mainstream now Yeah. Totally. But that's a better story though, right? There's like questions behind it. There's a mystery.
0: Right. The mystery is how did Thor become unworthy of the the hammer? And yeah, like and everything surrounding that but with X23,
1: even the name. Uh. Yeah. It's just it's such cheesy 90s bullshit. Like just Give him a daughter that he didn't know about. You know, something like Dawkins. Because he, already has, take, he Dawkins already has a son. Take Dawkins' origin. That, yeah, he already has a son that he didn't know about, Give right? her Dawkins' origin, right. and I think that's a way better character. Totally. But not just some test tube, like, check it out, two Cloud Wolverine with a ponytail. Nice, yeah. huh?
0: And I'm all for like diversity in comics if it's a good if it's a good yeah exactly if it's a good story if there's like proper motivation for it if it makes sense but to just like be diverse for the sake of being diverse
1: well they like the comic books are so racist in the 50s and 60s that they ran out of white guy heads to draw and they ended up like Batman Superman and Shazam all had the same heads except Shazam had beady little dark eyes right and then Reed Richards and Nick Fury were the same dude with an eye patch like they drew so many white people they ran out of white people to draw right right
0: right like, like that's bad like in general I like I like where comics are going like they're they're exploring you know different sexualities they're exploring gen- it gender and it should be all that it should be of the world it's but, for the same reason but that. you can't just do it for marketing purposes no, no no no
1: it can't be a cheesy tokenism move but I do think that it should be more diversified by the, right. the same token that I'm sick of watching cops or shows about Irish cops right right. Like, I've seen it. I've heard it. I want to see and hear different things because, I mean, it's like comedy, man. I love watching comics of different backgrounds go up on stage. And then you realize, ah, yeah, that guy's Sri Lankan mom's the same as my French-Canadian mom wow, it's all the same shit. It's all, we're all the same. It's just slightly different trappings around it, but we're all literally going through the same stuff. We're just learning about how they go through the same things we do in a slightly different context. And and I want to see that with with comic
0: books. I want to see more of that, man. Right, right. So I do jujitsu, and when I did Brazilian jujitsu, which I still do, but I'm injured right now, I figured out that a lot of the guys that do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu are not like the meathead jocks that you would expect would Mm. do something like Jiu-Jitsu from the outside looking in. They're all geeky guys who got beat up. And as a result, they are into comics. Like, they're big geeks. So in comedy, like in the green rooms and stuff, is that what you guys talk about? Like superheroes and stuff stuff like that?
1: There's a lot of comics that are comic book nerds, for sure. And there's a few people that... I talk comics with. But uh, comics are generally big sports fans, big comic book fans. Uh, we're nerds, but we're just nerds to different things, right? But there is a, definitely a subculture of comic books within the comic industry. That's awesome. Yeah, now, I don't think there's a comedian that wouldn't love to write a comic book. And there are like Brian Posehn wrote wrote Deadpool for yeah, a yeah. I just wish you didn't need to be that big to <laughs> <laughs> write a comic book. Yeah, right? Exactly. Uh, I would yeah love an opportunity to write a comic book. That would just be the coolest thing ever for me. And uh, comics love dialogue. They love writing funny situations. And have you ever thought of like self publishing your own comic? Yeah, I just don't know where to start with it. Right, I need to get an artist. I need to get a like a nerd to help me with it because I don't want to deal with any of that shit. Oh,
0: you should, man, because like there's a lot of anthologies. Mm-hmm. Like if you if you want to start out, like this is sort of my route. Is like there's a lot of anthologies, like the Toronto Comics Anthology, Hogtown Horror, mm-hmm. where you do all these short stories. It's like a self published thing, and like they have an editor and like people that organize it. And, uh, but I think they're on like the third volume, uh, my story is in like the fourth volume, but basically it's like a bunch of different stories and all they really have to do with one another is that they have something to do with Toronto. Mm. So like a good way to like get your start is to be in one of these anthologies because it's like a six page story. You don't have to write like a 24 page thing. It's not like a, it's not like huge pressure with that. But you get to work with an artist, and they they're, oh, it's they like organize a comic it. Book. Yeah, it's that's it's awesome. like a comic book anthology, right? So like, but it's short. So you yeah. get like a six page story, and then someone else gets a six page story, and they all get collected into one into one thing, right? Mm. Basically. So I mean, I feel like that's a real good way to like enter into the industry. Yeah, I no don't know. Plus, like, have you ever heard of Ty Templeton? I know the name. Ty Templeton uh, was, like, a big artist. He works on uh, Batman 66. Uh, He worked on, like, the the Batman Adventures comics that were based on Batman the Animated Series. You ever watch Batman the Animated Series? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he lives here, and he does the Toronto Comic Book Boot Camp, where where you pay, like, uh, $300, and he'll teach you either how to write comics, how to lay out comics, how to draw them, like everything that you that you basically need to know depending on what course you you pick. And it's like a maybe like a month long course and you learn like how to write comics. And not only do you learn how to write comics, but you're connected with everyone else in your class Mm that now all, you know, you're connected so you can get together and create your own community and that sort of thing. Nice. Like you're busy, but I'm sure like that would be a great way to like. It sounds like a great thing. Yeah, 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 totally. I just want to go to the woods with a computer and
1: write. So how did you get hooked up with like Sirius XM? So this is like 12 years ago at this point where they were going to the CRTC to petition a license and Mark Braslin was the original program director. And he asked all of his roster to write a letter in support of the bid. And I wrote a letter and I was living in Ottawa at the time. And I also requested to speak before the CRTC. I gave a speech. And this was
0: like for a comedy This is for just, channel.
1: No, this is just for satellite coming to Canada. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, I gave a speech and it was funny. And the New York Times wrote about it and took a picture of me and wrote about me. And yeah, I've been there ever since. Cool. Yeah, man.
0: And I think, like, Satellite Radio got their first, like, huge initial push because Howard Stern, right? Moved it yeah, over. I'd say Howard
1: Stern and Opie and Anthony were right. the two big ones that, like, really pushed it. Yeah. And now it's Opie and Jim, but uh, Howard's still there, and he's, like, the greatest broadcaster ever, you know?
0: Right, right. And Jim, Jim is Jim Norton, right? Yeah, Jim Norton. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because you got in on the ground floor, which is kind of crazy. And back then they uh-huh. were saying, oh, Satellite Radio, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to, like be a thing Mm -hmm. you know who's gonna like pay or subscribe for radio so what is it like now has those sort of naysayers died down is it stable i mean they would have to right we're a (laughs) a really successful company right 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 we yeah do really well so it's
1: in every car people have it on their phones it's never been more prevalent or saturated in uh busy people's lives and If if you're in your car a lot, it's wicked. It's really cool to have. Regular radio kind of sucks, right? Right. It's a million commercials and it's like the same shit over and over and over again. And you get like 130 channels of whatever you want.
0: Right. And with podcasts and stuff, satellite radio is a good distribution network for like podcast shows and stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, you could take your podcast
1: and if you have the numbers and you can go try to get it picked up by SiriusXM and it's what it is,
0: right? Right. Totally. That's awesome. And, like, you must feel, like, really fortunate for, like, getting in on, like, on the ground floor and, like, being there for that long. Yeah, I've always
1: been a nerd like that, though. Like, I mean, remember I told you I worked on Tom Green's show when I was 16. Right. Right. So I've always been that guy to kind of
0: just try I know a lot of people that talk, but I try. Cool. I don't always succeed, but I try. If somebody listening to this podcast has never listened to your show or like what you do on the yeah. air, what what can they expect? I don't know. It's just like the drive to the gig with another comic.
1: It's not like Mark Maron, soul bearing, heavy shit or anything. Sometimes it is. I just have my buddy Kristoff in talking about uh, suicide and some heavier shit. But generally, it's like goofy, you know, just silly comedy talk. Cool. And I've had everyone from Cheech and Chong to Family Guy to, I don't know, all my Canadian buddies have all been on my show. I've done a lot of them. Yeah. And it's in studio or is it? Oh, yeah. Cool. Sometimes uh, I go to festivals, like when I chatted with Family Guy, that was Montreal's Just for Laughs. And uh, I was just doing some broadcasts from JFO 42 last week, so that was cool, too.
0: Nice. And Just for Laughs is like the biggest comedy thing in the world, right? Like, that's yeah, the biggest festival. Just for Laughs and the Edinburgh Festival. The Fringe. Right. Uh, those are the two biggest ones. So give me, like, an insider's view of Just for Laughs, because I've always wanted to go as, like, an audience member. It's awesome, So man. what is it like for a comic? It's
1: summer camp for comedians, man. The way comedy works is, like, you start off with all your buddies, and, like, a bunch of your buddies drop off, and they stop doing it. And then the longer you do it, some of your buddies become headliners and you become a headliner and then you never see each other anymore because you, ocup- you occupy the same spot on the show. Right. Right. I mean. So they're not
0: going to book you with your buddy if you're both headliners. Exactly. Because they only need one So then come like festival
1: time you get to see all your buddies and you get to see like walls come down right because it's all these great headliners that are hanging around with each other and they're not having to be guarded around openers or newer comics that are pestering them for questions. And not that, like, I love getting questions from newer people and shit, too. But it's different when you're with a bunch of people that are doing it. that like you just, your guard goes down. It's just a bunch of buddies and colleagues hanging out. You don't need to worry about. I always worry about being a dick around new guys and how I act. And I don't want to set a bad example. Mm-hmm. I know that's a cheesy thing to say. Right. But I don't want to teach a comic how to be a shithead at a show. Right, you know what I mean?
0: Well, because aren't there certain like unwritten rules of comedy? Like, you don't do things, yeah. To there are, but I mean, like, it's
1: just basically politeness, man. Right. And I figure that I remember a lot of headliners early on trying to almost goad me into being a dick with people because, yeah, you're the comic, you can do whatever. I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to be a dick, like, I don't want to be a knob with the server
0: just because just tell them you're going on and you need to know,
1: fuck, just relax
0: and you never know like how you know people are gonna remember that right like if you're nice to people that might pay off in the future you don't even need to be nice just don't be a dick right
1: right that's what i tell people like i get you don't need to be nice man you don't need to go out and be fucking complimentary and pleasant all that shit just don't go be a dick
0: just I mean, be polite, right? So, just for laughs, it sort of takes the competition out of it because everyone has Cause their own show. There. Yeah, they're there for their own thing. They're getting paid. They're getting taken
1: care of, and everyone's happy to see each other. Everyone's right. really, really excited and happy to see each other, and they're you know they're looking through the lineups for the weeks ahead of time, seeing who's going to be there. like, oh no
0: way, ah Lachlan's going to be there, cool, ah Casey's going to be there, that's amazing, or whatever. Is, and, there, is there a certain pressure? Because, like, I always hear of Just for Laughs sometimes, when I hear about it as an outsider, as, like, the breakout spot for comics. Like, you get you can get, like, discovered at Just for Laughs. can. I mean, there's, so, a lot, there's so lots is, of ways. Is there pressure to, like, you know, make, you know, ha- have that breakout moment at Just for Laughs for some comics?
1: I'm sure some people feel the the pressure to do that. But, you know, it's like anything. If you're working really hard all of the time, it never comes down to one moment. And I think that most comics now, if you get to a point where you're being booked by just for laughs, you're generally not just doing one thing. Because comics do a shitload of things now. You you podcast, you write, you act, you blog, you go out and you do whatever just to get your shit out there.
0: Because you have to. Like, Is that like a change in the, in the industry? Well, I think you always had to. Just few people realized that early on. Okay. Right?
1: Because a lot of of comics still, they think there's, like, I don't know, some extra integrity in only doing stand-up. Right. I guess I get that. But if you're a, like, really creative person, there's other places where you may want to put that creativity out there. Right. And I don't think that takes away from stand-up necessarily. Mm. Like, if I want to go write a comic book, I don't think that makes me a shitty comic. I just think it makes me fucking awesome.
0: Yeah, you're just more diverse, Yeah,
1: right? right? And, and it gives me more shit to talk about the things. Like right now, it's like my food stuff where I do live cooking and comedy shows. And now I've got a context to talk about food on stage. And it's not just out of nowhere. So who knows? Maybe I write a comic book and then I can go up and talk about comic book shit on stage. And I'll have those people finding me.
0: Right. And there's this whole thing, too, where like comics and comics are starting to cross over like you have your Patton Oswalt's mm-hmm. and your Brian Fossain's where all like basically their act is or used to be yeah that sort of thing like Chris Hardwick makes a living being like you know North America's nerd geek, comic r- yeah. nerd
1: guy right I would not mind being one of those dudes right like <laughs> yeah. I love everything about it when I think of everything that comics gave me too like what? just the understanding of stuff that I didn't learn in school, right? Like, like I knew what? like Norse mythology, Gaelic mythology, Greek mythology, Roman mythology, basic physics stuff like Bell's theorem and shit that I would have to go look up just in order to be able to understand what was happening in the comic book. And then you read up on uh, all the Greek and Roman mythology because you know there's Zeus and there's Hercules and there's Apollo and there's all these characters that are in your comic books and. If you're curious about whether or not they're authentic to it, then you find out, ah, I guess the historic version of Thor is a fat dude with red hair and a beard. Hercules is historically accurate. I wonder if, uh, you know, all these other characters are historically accurate and how much of it is based on other things. And comic books, man, for me, before Wikipedia was my way of just finding out about different things that interested me. Right, so you went down the
0: rabbit hole, like, Every time, every
1: single time. Yeah. And it was just so cool. And, like, even now, when I talk about being a comic, one of the things I always say is I'm at the point in my career where I feel like the mask wear wears Bruce Wayne. How so? Well, like, I'm more who I am on stage and off. Right. At this point. Okay. And, like, when I'm putting on a face, it's like, don't be too much of a comic with these people. Right. Right? Like, if I'm in a corporate situation or at, like, some fancy dinner or something... I'm like, all right, tone it down. This isn't the place. Right. I feel like... That's but
0: that's, that's you less naturally...
1: I'm like just more... Like, Bruce Wayne is more Batman than Bruce Wayne. Right. And that's how I feel about comedy now. Like, I'm more me on stage and off. And, like... Or just, like, within comedy world.
0: And there's... I think there's a certain authenticity to that. Because, like, audiences don't like to know that you're, like, a different person. Well, again, like, like, later. Yeah. I don't think one is wrong
1: or the other. I think that, like... I don't know. Some people... They go on stage and try to be the person they wish they could be, right? And I think we've all been guilty of that sometimes. And some people just put something out there that's nothing like who they are, so they can have that moment to themselves or whatever. And I think I was just always trying to be like the the form or you know, like that guy who was trying to be something on stage, but. Now I'm 36 years old, I've been doing this for half my life, and I think this is just who I am, right? And it's like, it's harder for me to not be, like, inappropriate in public than it is for me to to be, you know, not a comic.
0: Right, right. Because, I mean, you see the humor in situations right away. It's hard to hold back, right?
1: Yeah, well, I'm just a comic. Like, it's all I've done. It's all I've known. Like, my entire adult life. Right. I wasn't even shaving regularly
0: when I started doing comedy right like it's fucked was it a struggle like because i mean, i know for like comic book artists who i normally have on this podcast like we're just starting to get into like the struggle of being an independent comic book mm-hmm. artist and how like even if you're like a writer you have to find an artist to pay especially when you're like yep. starting out so like you're spending money that you don't have to like sort of make your dreams come true uh, does that same thing happen mm-hmm. with comedy?
1: Oh, absolutely. You uh, you know you spend money to go out to do gigs that you won't make money at, just to do it in another city for an extra ten minutes or whatever. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was fortunate to go through that as a young man. Like it's it's you're used to. it. That's when you're supposed to struggle, right? Like when you're twenty 22 years old, like. I'd get by on the walk-in pizza deal that was like, you know, the $6 walk-in special pepperoni large, half one day, half the next day. Right. And then you walk down a Yuck Yuck, some fucking St. Clair and Bathurst, and you walk back up the hill. And that's what it is. It's when you're supposed to struggle. And nothing, you know, it's that old adage, nothing good ever came easy.
0: Were you living on your own
1: at that point? or had a roommate. Okay. Yeah, I, had, I haven't had a roommate for about seven, eight years, but uh, yeah, back then. It was funny because you don't want to look broke in front of your roommate and it's just whatever. You, you make yourself scarce. And it's like a race to have rent every month and that kind of thing. Well, that was the one thing I was always careful to have. And my mom, you know, obviously early on, she helped me out quite a bit. You you get by with as little as you can when you're a comic. It's like, I got to do this.
0: Right. And I think for a lot of artists, whether you're a comic book artist or a comic, it's a compulsion. Mm. Like it's not just something that you... That you do for like shits and giggles, it's something that you have to do. Oh no, no, it's like bordering on some
1: kind of like mental thing. Like I, if I don't get up on stage for a few days, or if I'm not around comedy, like I just I get antsy, like I get fidgety. Mm. It's just I gotta be <laughs> around so, my comedy. So people.
0: when you start comedy like that early, how do you know that you have to that you have to write comedy because it's because like because you see shitty comics and they don't write right. Right,
1: like you'd see shitty comics go up and they'd be like, Hey, remember the Spice Girls? Like, Wow, you haven't written since the Spice Girls? right fuck. <laughs> like any that comic happens. that would open with like a joke with remember you're like ooh yeah. oh god and they're like remember that McCain's commercial with the kid you're like oh old jokes about old commercials you oh you fucking you're building a big bridge there bud yeah, yeah. right like right, and yeah. you see the guys that go up and they're just fucking awesome and they're rocking rooms and they're having fun and you go back to see them a few months later and you're like oh, it's all different. Or it's like, there's different parts to the other jokes. The jokes have all grown. You're like, oh, wow. And you just remember those two feelings where shaking your head at one comic, trying to fucking make you remember who the Spice Girls were. And then some other comic comes back with an extra 10 minutes that's been added to the 40 that you already saw kill.
0: Right. I know who I wanted to be. Right, right, exactly. And I think there's still a mystery to comedy... In terms of how it works, because when you're just like a lover of comedy and just an audience member, I don't think people realize that like comedy isn't they don't just come up with that stuff like in the moment on the fly. Like that's written and performed like some like that. I mean, Ian
1: Bagg is really good off the top of his head. Uh, But then there's guys like Tom Stade. Who is like, it's all written and there is a measure of improv to it too, but it's so well written and well performed that people think it's in the moment. They think that it's just off the top of his head. And uh, that guy was like my comedy hero early on in stand-up. I'd watch him and I'd be like, fuck, how do you do that? Right. Like, how do you fool people into thinking this is just shit you're saying? Right. Like, that's what hit me is just that it's like he's just talking to us right now. And like, there's a structure to the jokes and everything, but it wasn't... So structured, like other people I had seen before. And a guy like Tom Stead, I saw him, and he changed everything for me. That's Um, awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah. So what's your process for writing? Like, do you walk around during the day with, like, a pen and a pad or what? Well, I mean, I got my phone on me all the time. Okay.
1: And I do have, like, a notebook with me. But when I'm, you know, passing out in the middle of the night and when you should be dreaming and that REM brain shit kicks in and starts helping you think of weird stuff, I just... Make a voice memo or text it to myself.
0: Right. Then I get a bunch of weird shit popping up. That's cool. And then you can just like riff off of like one idea or one. And then concept. I'll just like
1: let it sit in my brain for a little bit, and then build it out and talk to buddies and what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And uh, yeah, sometimes it's just it's like a nugget that just starts off. Right. Right. And then uh, like my favorite bit right now is about uh, extinction, oh, and okay. it's just like the thought that like set it off for me was like, well, if everything. If extinction is such a big problem, then how come all the animals going extinct are the ones we don't eat?
0: <laughs> that's but why I just the,
1: thought that was so funny. Yeah, totally. Right? Like, maybe we should be eating all the animals.
0: And that's why I love comedy. Because, like, they make you think of things that you don't think of or things that you always thought. But they step over they things. It, yeah, they put it out there in a different way yeah and then all of a sudden it's like yeah like why didn't i think of that Like, what the fuck
1: this, yeah like those i love bits like that right yeah yeah right. and uh that's one of those bits for me where i'm just like how come all the ones that we eat are still here and thriving right right exactly does not eating animals hurt animals like, Yeah, yeah yeah that's just such a like yeah and i was probably stoned that's a very stoned thought right but uh it's funny
0: but like for writing comics and stuff which is something that you that you want to do eventually Mm. like do you think that like the fact that your comedy is like written and and like you you're writing all the time and that sort of thing do you think that would prepare you for like writing a comic
1: yeah I think I could do it okay oh absolutely yeah I could for sure do it there's no doubt I've been man I've been training my entire life like I don't remember them not being in the house I don't remember not having any of these things and I lose it like the Superman movies I could tell you I've got, like, the five movies I should have done plotted out in my head as to how it should have been. Right. And they rebooted Superman. First movie should have been Superman versus Lex Luthor. Right. Lex Luthor is exposed as the evil Lex Luthor. We get the the purple and green mechanical suit Lex Luthor at the climax of that movie second movie Lex tries to clone Superman he winds up with Bizarro Superman so that's a cool another light-hearted totally. Superman movie movie three would be uh, Lex taps into the fifth dimension Mr. Mixie Pitlick comes down fucks with Superman but not a heinous villain but still a funny one Fourth movie, Zod and the Kryptonians escape the Phantom Zone. They come down. Uh, they fight Superman. And then at the end of the movie, when Superman beats them, their fail-safe mechanism happens. And th- through another rift in the Phantom Zone, a pod comes out and crashes down into the Earth. And then you see a stony fist. Bone Spurred Fist pop through, which was Doomsday for the fifth movie. Then you could do The Reign of the Superman, you could do whatever, but that should have been the first five Superman well, because movies.
0: Because the problem with the like Batman vs. Superman movie, and there were a lot of, problems, All but of the the, problems. But the main problem was that they tried to do a lot in one movie. Like, they, what is that? They tried to make Superman dark. Like if right. Marvel can do Captain America and
1: not make it a cheese fest. There's no reason why Superman can't work. Right. And I just don't get where you go from this point with Superman because he's already fought a team of superpower Kryptonians. Who can beat Superman now? He just beat a team of Superman. Right, and he's a fucking idiot about it too. Because Superman was never a dummy. Yeah, yeah. in the comic books, he's always a really smart character. Right. So why wouldn't he have just handed off the spear to Lois or, some, or to Wonder Woman or Batman? Why would not Why would he just chuck it at like supersonic speeds? Something. Yeah. Why would he do the dumbest possible thing? And he's just... uh, I hate him. Superman is supposed to be the the moral compass of the DC universe, uh, along with the Flash. And now the Flash, Barry Allen is some fucking insecure teenager who's joining the Justice League because he has no friends. So now the spine and the heart of the DC universe just don't exist. Batman, some charging... Some fucking wannabe charming George Clooney knockoff, Val Kimmer bullshit,
0: fucking Affleck. I hate it. I hate it because it like... It's like their own company doesn't understand don't. what makes the what makes the characters well, work. The difference is here's what I realized.
1: The difference is between Marvel and DC, there's no DC studios. Right. It's a Warner, Brother, Warner production. Brother production. Yeah, Marvel's got Marvel Studios because Disney realized, you know what, these are their characters. Nobody knows their characters more than they do. We're going to give them their own division. Right. And they're going to be left to make good movies. That's what they're going to do. But meanwhile, Warner Brothers has all these other interests that are weighing in and weighing in and weighing in and weighing in. And and it just fucks at the movie. Yeah. And they've been making movies, other movies, for years. So they think they know what they're doing. And what kills me, though, is like their animated movies are generally so good. Right. Warner Brothers animated movies beat the hell out of Marvel's animated movies so far. Right. I think it's only a matter of time before Disney buys DC.
0: Right, exactly. There's no reason why they couldn't. I
1: would love it. It Because Warner Brothers didn't own DC up until the 70s. Right. Right? Right? So, like, it was Hanna-Barbera doing all the early animation for Super Friends and shit like that.
0: Right. No, it's crazy. Like, I mean, just look at, like, the Netflix shows. Like, are you watching Luke Cage right now? I haven't watched it yet. I just, uh,
1: I don't know. I don't, I'm very contrarian. Okay. And everyone's watching the same shit right now. Like, I got rid of my Netflix. Okay. Why? Why? because man like nobody has real chats anymore nobody talks anymore yeah it's always uh, you watch stranger things hey uh, you watch The catch a killer or whatever the fucking narcos or yeah it's always you a... want to go
0: outside you want to go to the bar and yeah. chat
1: with people and i will get around to watching it but it's going to be long after everyone else does because i want to engage in real conversation with people right, I, right. Hate,
0: I hate that nobody talks but i hear it's great we had marcus toe in here who's who's one of the artists he's doing uh he's doing nightwing right now and he said that like he hates going to movies on like the first day that they come out or like watching things the first week that they come out because everyone is like pestering him about like did you watch it? did you watch it and the fact that he doesn't watch it is simply because he doesn't want to be like a follower Mm -hmm. and he wants to do it later on yeah you know when you know when it's not like because he's like, the fact that people are telling me to watch it is making me not want to watch it.
1: Yeah, precisely. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for the next phase with Marvel, though, because I think that Fox has realized that they can't do shit. Right. And they're going to, after, you know, uh, what's happened with Spider-Man with Sony, I think Fox is going to realize that they've got no hope of doing anything with the Fantastic Four or the X-Men franchises. And then they're going to take a smaller piece of a much bigger pie, bring it back to Marvel. And my dream for the next phase after the Infinity Wars and everything would be Avengers vs. X-Men.
0: I think they're totally going to do that. Does not make sense? I think it's the only play, really, yeah. because they've done everything else. Yeah, The only way that you could really shock people and get people really excited... Is if you did Avengers, if you did Avengers versus X Men, everything else people will eventually stop going to Super. And Super I love the, the
1: the current take on Cyclops. Cyclops is always my I thought was the lamest Avenger. Right. I always thought he was just such a loser, just as goody two shoes, Boy Scouts, stupid yellow underwear, yeah. flappy McDonald haircut, kinda. as like the leader
0: of the X Men. Yeah, yeah, and he had
1: like Mike Myers' haircut. Like, he was so lame. He was so he had a belt across his chest. Now he's like the zealot. A mutant martyr, a like, super righteous fucking badass. Like, I think that's cool.
0: Right, that's awesome. Yeah. So, if you made your own comic, what would it be? Would it be a superhero comic, or would it be some other type of? Oh, I got a bunch of ideas. One idea I think would be
1: cool is uh, like I always think of like myself and what I would like to do. Like I try to like put things into my own context, and I think a cool hero would be a guy who had like Superman or Hulk type powers, but for ten minutes a year. And like, he get only 10 minutes. It doesn't need to be consecutive minutes. It doesn't, it could be for two seconds. It could be whatever. And it's not like Fido. You can't bank it, right? Right. And, uh, I think it'd just be cool. Like, be on the bus one day. Some asshole kid with his music blaring on his phone be like, can you just turn your, uh, turn your music down? They'd be like, fuck you. Then you just, and just hulk into this big thing. How about now? Like, uh. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And it'd just be, I think, a cool concept for a character where like, you'd have two watches and then one watch would always have a counter for how many seconds he's used as superpower.
0: Right. And the conflict would be, yeah. where do you distribute it? And how do you, because the limitation is. Yeah. And then how much of it does he use to
1: make like, just do personal shit? Because he turns into like this Adonis looking guy with a 14 inch cock too, right? Right. So, what do you do? Do you go use that 10 minutes to go bang a bunch of chicks? Right.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm like, or do you, what do you do with it? Right. Like, you only have 10 minutes a year. Exactly. Exactly. And there's obviously got to be a story where, like, he needs more time, but he doesn't have Exactly. It. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah so totally. i think that's like a cool hero that's totally a cool hero. yeah man you could do like the 10 minute man on <laughs> <laughs> something
1: It's yeah. something but yeah i yeah. think that's a cool idea That'd be so awesome. if you're an artist listen to that yeah message me
0: totally totally and yeah. like the best way to find artists too is like on reddit or or divian art mm. and just like there's always people coming out of like OCAD. like that's the cool thing about toronto yeah not only is canada a great place for comedy but it's a great place for comics, particularly Toronto, because we have OCAD and Sheridan and yeah. all the schools and like Max. The yeah, yeah, I and those should sorts push that, man. I totally. Should, yeah, yeah. Totally, I got man. so many
1: things I want to do. So
0: awesome. So I mean, what are you collecting now? What is your comic habits like now? Now I don't so much collect as I like buy a bunch of shit and then
1: sell it and buy more shit. Okay. Because so I've got boxes and boxes and boxes of comic books at my mom's house and. Like I don't know, I'm I'm a bit of a minimalist. I don't need to own a lot of shit. Like I got books that I love that I'll never get rid of. Like what? What are your Red Sun? Red Sun, I think, is the best Superman book ever I think it's just it's awesome there's a movie DC should make <laughs> like man there's so many cool things that could be doing like do an Elseworlds
0: series for fuck's sakes like that would just be so cool do you think Jeff Johns is gonna save it like that's the whole plan is that Jeff Johns no pressure no pressure Jeff
1: Johns I hope he does but the thing with DC's characters and like <laughs> cinematically they're too they're too godlike so I think there needs to be an inherent amount of cheese that goes along with these characters right because Later. Marvel is generally a bunch of enhanced humans, mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of Thor. But even then, if they bring back the Donald Blake aspect of Thor, it's, again, an enhanced human. And if Thor is away from his hammer for 60 seconds, then he's back to plain old human being.
0: Right. And then even though, like, Thor is, like, godlike and yeah. whatever, it's supposed to be, like, a different form of science. Exactly. Like, it's they're not saying that it's, that it's god. Exactly. They're saying, like, it's another universe that's a scientific. Yeah. And, I mean, the yeah. Hulk
1: is flawed. Iron Man is just a dude in the suit. Like, their heroes lend themselves more to a real-world context. Right. When you've got the Flash, who moves at the speed of light, Green Lantern, who can create anything with his mind. You've got Superman, who could do anything he wants, Martian Manhunter, Cyborg, who could interface with any machine and control it. Who's going to beat any one of those people? Right. Right. So it needs to be bigger to me, then it can't be dark. Like, Batman's the only character that lends itself to being dark, but the rest of the universe, tone-wise, doesn't work that way, especially not cinematically. Well,
0: and the whole Superman-Batman thing is, like, the contrast
1: yeah. between light between light and dark. And now they're trying to darken Superman and lighten Batman by, like, having Smirky Affleck Clooney it up. Right. <laughs> like, it's just, it's killing me. Right. I get that he's jacked, and he sort of looks like Bruce Wayne, but... I'm a believer that when it comes to those characters, they are so iconic. You need to get an unknown. You need to get... And by the way, poor... Uh, what's his name? Brandon Routh getting demoted from <laughs> Superman to the Adam. Right, oh, right, right. To right. fucking Honest Ed fucking looking costume Adam. Yeah, it's yeah, such yeah, a yeah, bad totally. looking costume.
0: Totally. I mean,
1: the TV series are popular though. DC's TV series are great. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, they're not as good as Daredevil. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Marvel's got it in the can right now. They just got to keep doing what they're doing. I think... DC's catalog will eventually be bought by Disney. And my dream as a comic book nerd would be just to see a handful of characters swap universes. Right. Like I think that'd be super cool.
0: So what are you reading right now? Like, what are the things that, you, that you've that you read? Yeah, like I said, I'm rereading The Boys right
1: now. Okay. I'm going through the whole series again. I'm on Volume 9 currently. Cool. Man, that's pretty pretty cool series. I have all the
0: single issues, the boys.
1: Yeah, I just got the volume because yeah. I'm a big Ennis fan, and then I remember just googling one day, like, "Oh, he's got the series; it's all done." Oh, fucking a! You're right, then I just Perfect. went down to the labyrinth on Bloor Street, and I just bought them all. Nice, like it's my version of
0: binging. You know, totally. What do you think of the whole digital? like a lot of people can't do it a lot of people like i i just got some comics from from a friend of mine at the eden center because i'm doing research for another interview because i'm going to be interviewing ryan north nice and uh she's like i'm like hey do you want comics from me and she's like no i'm just giving away my comics i don't collect comics like that anymore i go digital like i have a tablet i i don't have room in my house i have to i have to do a di- like i have to do a digital. i just like holding them right so do i yeah and Ta-ka. i mean
1: i also i like going to like bmv and getting the five for one dollar bag of like old 90s titles right and that's cool too because those are all generally self-contained and i i probably read them at some point in the 90s too so i just end up remembering old shit and uh yeah i mean i'll go drop off a box of books at like a shelter or something and It's like, there's not a great deal of investment in the books that I want to keep. I hold on to. They're just not a great deal of books that I hold on to.
0: Right, right. What what do you think of, like, what they're doing now? Because, like, it seems like Marvel and DC are taking a bit of a backseat to Image, like Image and and those sorts of books. Are you reading any Image titles? Uh, What was the last Image one I read? Was it uh,
1: Southern Bastards? Is that Image? Yep. Yeah, I read Southern Bastards. That's really good. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty uh, good series. Um, But Marvel and DC seem to be focused more on the cinema shit, right? Right. And with Marvel right now, with all this shit that's going on with, you know, Fox and Sony, especially with Fox, like... There's no more Fantastic Four book. They're not writing any new X characters Fox has even got the rights to the word mutant, which is why they use the term miracle in Avengers when referencing Scarlet Witch. And they said she got her powers from the the Tesseract.
0: Right. There's no mutants in the cinematic universe right now.
1: And to me, that's like such an inherent part of Marvel. Yeah, is the mutant universe, and I don't think Marvel is around today without the '90s mutant surge. Yeah, I don't think so.
0: Yeah, exactly because that was that was the boom. That, yeah. in fact, it created an image because yeah. all those people left. You know, they were selling Life millions fell, of comics. Yeah. Yeah. They were selling millions of like of uh, of X Men and Spider Man and whatever, and yep. they created like their own company out of it.
1: No, so that's they, exactly what happened. That
0: book like created an, an industry, like a competitor.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that. Uh, That's another reason why I would love to see Marvel and DC integrated into Disney. Because then I think that everything that DC owns, I think they'd have to sell off Dark Horse. They'd have to sell off Vertigo and all these subsidiary titles.
0: Right. I don't think they own Dark Horse, though. I think it's a Is it a separate thing? I thought DC
1: was Dark Horse, but I could be wrong.
0: They used to be... Well... They were Wildstorm because yeah. they bought Wildstorm is DC. Yeah, they yeah. bought Jim Jim Lee's like Wildstorm yeah. thing that just became DC. But I think I think Dark Horse is still a separate a separate. Because I just remember
1: reading like Batman versus Predator and that was Dark Horse. Right,
0: right, exactly. But I think they did like a co. Maybe, like a co-thing.
1: Whatever it is that the subsidiaries you would have to sell yeah, off yeah. and do that. Maybe Image ends up buying Vertigo and buying some cooler subsidiary yeah, things, like too, and they become a bigger. Yeah, and then they become bigger. Right. And I'm not opposed to that, either, because that's the thing that Image is lacking is uh, a storied fan base, right, where people are dying to see the movies. It's not that their characters aren't good. If a studio is going to invest money, they need to have that built-in audience, that they always put it. right. And Marvel and DC have nothing but built-in audiences. Marvel's fucking C and D tiers are more well-known than anything Image has. Right, exactly. Like, Doctor yeah. Strange is better known than than
0: Spawn. Right. But Image Image doesn't want to be, like, at least now, they kind of want to be the new Vertigo. Like, they don't want to go the, superior, direct, the well, superior direction, it seems. Yeah, but who
1: wouldn't want to see, what creator wouldn't want to see a wicked movie made of their their character? Right, right, exactly. Uh, there's no way. Yeah. Like, every creator wants to see their character grow to the most that they can. Right. And there's no fucking way. No way. No way nobody who creates... Like, they, the creators of Southern Bastards, like, they wouldn't want a Southern Bastards movie.
0: Well, and look what happened with The Walking Dead.
1: Exactly. Like, that's already happened. Mm-hmm. And, like, Saga. That's yeah. a perfect movie. There's tons of shit. So right? So, I think that... Uh, comic books uh, every movie should be based on a comic book based, like it's all written it's storyboarded it's right there Yeah. and they're not all superhero things either so I mean just look at comic books man
0: people like Steven Spielberg always say like eventually like comic book movies are going to go the way of the western no do you think that's going to happen no because comic books are
1: not the same like that's such a stupid thing to say and I love Spielberg but that's like saying that every comic book is a western right. or not because comic books are like movies right in terms of it's western it's sci-fi it's superhero it's gangland it's everything it's it's a, a medium. it's a romancing it's archie fucking comic books man it's everything it's a medium it's not a style mm-hmm. so yeah it's like saying eh, movies
0: are just a fad mm-hmm. no maybe there's styles of it there's certainly things that studios can do mm-hmm. to like fail the comic book movie industry oh yeah but yeah, but I mean, in general, that's not comics' problem. That's just mismanagement of the of the of the property.
1: Right? Oh, absolutely, and people just don't understand the fan base. And yeah, look at Dragon Ball. How the hell is you not going to get Dragon Ball movie? Holy shit! <laughs>
0: exactly. So,
1: like, okay, so you're going to make a Dragon Ball movie, and then you're going to cast some fucking shitty white dude as Goku? Right? No, it's like, a- see, he's, start off with little Goku. Get, like, it should be an Asian actor. Playing the biggest fucking superhero Asian character, like give me a break! Like, oh, uh, make it! I want, I want to see Goku as a little boy. That's the next franchise. Start him off as a, the t- you know when he's a small kid. Then he grows up, and you can have like ten years worth of movies with varying actors playing Goku, and have a franchise to top Harry Potter
0: and all that shit. That'd be that'd be amazing. And, and, you, could and you could, it would like the actor would like grow with the franchise. Yeah, just like Daniel Radcliffe. Or you could just get another actor down the road. Right. And if contract shit comes up, or you're like, guess what? We just aged them four years. Boom. That's a good question. Have you, did you ever read like anime and like manga and that sort of, that sort of stuff? I couldn't get used to the, the backwards thing. Like. It's sort of like reading the Torah. It's yeah. Like, it's all left Not that I've ever read the Torah, <laughs> but.
1: Uh, yeah, I just physically it was very odd. I read like a Batman thing. It was like an old Batman anime from uh, the 50s or 60s or something. <laughs> He's fighting somebody named Mr. Death. Yeah. It was pretty cool. That's crazy. But uh, yeah, I never really got so into anime.
0: Yeah. Have you been to Japan? or No, I'd no, love to. I mean, I love, awesome. I
1: love Japanese animation, but like manga, I'm not a huge fan of, but animes I like. Like Death Note was wicked. Yeah. Bleach was really good. Well, to a point. Like bleach was. Do you ever watch
0: bleach? A little bit. Like I'm not. I'm not big into. Yeah, uh, into bleach was stuff, awesome. But.
1: And then at one point they just like stopped the storyline. At one point and when. And- it was the most baffling thing. Right. It was like storyline progressing, progressing, progressing. Then it just stopped with no payoff, and they just switched to a completely different storyline.
0: I do admire Japanese comics, though, because I feel like there's no, like, stereotypical, like, cliches. Or, like, they don't put comics in a box. Like, everybody in Japan reads comics. and yeah. And there's, there's, like, manga for everyone. And there's no, like things weird things around like gender and sex mm. and those sorts of things like you've got like you know girl characters that become boy characters yep. and they like switch and nobody no, nobody
1: makes a big deal out of it right no they're very fantastic and how uh they put their ideas together it's not like so standard issue i like that there's a, like a lot of spirit based stuff you know, people are like half fox spirits she that we just don't get in like North America right. yeah, culturally it's very different like Shinigami are a big part of anime and a lot of uh, manga and it's just I love culturally just being able to explore uh, an entire different world and learning about Life
0: on the other side of the planet. And that's the craziest thing about Japanese people is like their culture is very, like, it's very respectful and mm-hmm. very quiet, but their arts are very, like, loud and it's expressive out there. Man. And, yeah. you know, it's
1: crazy. It's, uh, yeah, some of the greatest stuff we've ever seen. Astro Boy, something you grew up with, that's pure anime, but I didn't know it was anime at the time.
0: Right. You just thought it was a cartoon. I just thought it was cool. It was this pointy haired kid. with fire boots are you playing pokemon go right now no i don't do that that. (laughs) (laughs) i'm totally obsessed with pokemon go at the moment yeah
1: i just i was i'm not a video game guy i don't play games i like board games i don't really play games on my phone or anything right so yeah i'm not i'm not gonna be catching any pokemon (laughs)
0: it's so weird people like where you see people that are obviously playing pokemon go yeah and i'm good with it like i think it's a cool idea it's just not for me. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. So what's next for you? Like, what's your, like, what are you doing in terms of comedy? Like, where do you want to go? What oh. haven't you done that you, you <laughs> want to do?
1: Well, I've, there's a shitload I haven't done that I want to do. Uh, I don't know. Headlining a comedy bar next weekend. That'll be good. Uh, my album's coming out in the next few weeks. So that'll be good, too. Cool. Uh, recorded that in Montreal on Labor Day weekend. And that's going to be called Bread and Butter. Nice. Yeah. When does that come out? In a few weeks. I'm just yeah getting it all cut and mixed and shit. Cool. Just trying to cut the shit out of it. You know what I mean? I did an hour on stage. I don't want to put out an hour long CD.
0: Right. And like, obviously the next big thing is making a comic book.
1: Yeah. I would love to make a comic book. I would just, yeah. It would be so cool to make a comic book. Yeah. It would be the coolest thing
0: nice so if any artists want to get in touch with ben where can they find you on like social media and yeah man at ben miner m-i-n-e-r
1: on twitter a ben Minor on uh, instagram ben miner on facebook uh, i'm on sirius xm so if we make a book i'll chat about it on a on my radio show but yeah man if you're an artist and you want to work with me that'd be fucking awesome so reach out be cool uh.
0: Ben, it's been an honor. I, I love that you're like the first guest who's really sort of crossed over with the comic <laughs> and the comic thing. Hope oh, like, I didn't suck, man. No, you, you taught me a lot. And uh, it was so good having you in. We'll definitely have other comics on the podcast and to talk about comics. Nice. Thanks for having me, man. All right. See you later. And see you next time on Speech Bubble. speech bubble the podcast that goes one-on-one with toronto's comic book luminaries see you next time